You're listening to Workplace Perspective, an employment law podcast raising the bar at workplaces everywhere. Workplace Perspective is a regular podcast series for employers and employees focusing on education, training, and the law to help organizations of all sizes develop and maintain successful workplace relationships. The opinions expressed by guests on Workplace Perspective are their own and should not be considered legal advice. And now, here's your host, Teresa McQueen. Thank you, James, and welcome everyone to Workplace Perspective, where we are striving to raise the bar at workplaces everywhere. Today, we're talking with Tamasha Bloy and Todd Zinger, authors and researchers, on the subject of pay transparency. On today's episode, we'll hear about the impacts of the recent trend towards pay transparency in the workplace. It's going to be a great show. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Workplace Perspective has a new website. Visit us at www.workplaceperspective.com. Check out our new look, including our featured guests and archive sections. Share us with your friends and colleagues to help us continue to raise the bar at workplaces everywhere. Welcome back to our listeners and welcome to Workplace Perspective, Tomasz Ogloy and Todd Zanger. Before we get started today, uh, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about who you are and what you do. Tomasz, let's go ahead and start with you. Hi, good uh, good morning, everyone. My name is Tomasz Ogloy. I'm an associate professor of strategy at Indiana University, and I study organization design and uh, pay transparency in organizations. That's great. Todd, what about you? I am a, a professor at uh, the David Eccles School of Business at the University of Utah. I uh, am a professor of entrepreneurship and strategy there and study topics of uh, corporate strategy, organization design incentives, and in, included in that a bit on, on, on pay transparency. Well, that's great. Well, I'm really excited to talk about this uh, pay transparency topic. It's a pretty hot topic in California right now. Um, I know you all are aware many states, including California, have recently initiated or sort of enhanced their pay transparency laws. So here in California, as of January 1st of 2023, California's SB 1162 had revised existing pay transparency laws to now require upon request that an employer provide to an employee the pay scale information for the position that they're currently in. And then it also has a requirement for any employer with 15 or more employees to include the pay scale for a position in any job posting. Um, So I know a lot of states are jumping on that bandwagon um, and it's according to your research, which I found really, really interesting. It sort of led to some unintended um, and interesting unexpected consequences. So I want to kind of talk about that. I think it's really interesting. I want to find out what you guys have learned. So there's a lot to talk about. So why don't we start by talking just about the pay equity issue itself. Tomas, why don't you let us know, why don't you start by telling us a little bit about what you found out with regards to just the pay transparency issues or the pay equity issues um, with regard to pay transparency. Right. So one of the things that we found out in our joint work with Todd is transparency does lead to more equitable pay. So there is a causal effect or a causal link between making pay transparent and then wages and salaries become uh, becoming more equitable on multiple dimensions, including, for example, 
uh, narrowing of the of the gender pay uh, pay gap. Now, one uh, just one point of caution when we think about pay transparency, it actually refers to a whole range of different uh, different practices, uh, right? What you've just evoked is one form of trade pay transparency, which uh, which is about revealing pay scale uh, within a job. What we actually studied is a very strong form of pay transparency, which is just making individual level salaries visible to all. So again, I think that we live in this in this great uh, experiment where different states, different countries, different geographies are experimenting with different forms of pay transparency. And we don't yet know consequences of different types of of pay transparency. What we have studied and what others have studied alongside us uh, is, is are the consequences of the strong form of pay transparency, uh, which California also was on the on the forefront forefront of, of some of those some of those um, regulatory changes, but that unambiguously has led researchers to find that it improves pay equity within organizations. What's well, a good thing to know that it works? I, I think that's really interesting. If I understand you correctly, there's a difference between just telling you about the job you're in if you ask and actually making that available to anyone in the organization who wants to see it is that kind of the difference you're talking about well absolutely and what we can in a sense revealing a range is not revealing individual salaries it is a form of transparency right we we've also seen many states for example introducing salary history where you cannot ask a prospect employee about what they're past salary was right that's that's also introduced under the pay transparency laws it's it's actually some form of a secrecy uh secrecy regulation uh, right but it but, but it has the same the same uh overarching objective which is to reduce inequities in pay in particular not basing the pay on the on the past potentially discriminatory uh, discriminatory pay we can also imagine other forms of pay transparency in norway you can actually access tax returns of all other citizens right so this is like the strongest form of uh, of pay transparency so uh, i i think that that in a sense in some in some organizations will he will see the average salary for five employees or seven employees or only top paid executives in the organization so so it's almost an infinite scale of what what pay transparency can be and and again we're we're just starting to learn what those different forms of transparency imply for for pay equity i think it's really interesting i've learned so much you know as i've grown up i first started my first job in a corporate environment was in a big corporation a casino i remember you could go to hr and you could look for any job you applied for whether you applied for it or not you could just go in and see what the pay range was they had a big notebook sitting on the counter and i mean you didn't even have to ask anybody you could just walk in open the book flip to the page that, you know, had your job and you'd see, oh, okay, I see what that is. You could look up your own as well. And I never remember feeling like, I don't, I don't know, I was raised, like it's not polite to ask people how much they make or, or to have those types of conversations. So it never occurred to me to ask anybody else that I was working for, how much are you making? I mean, I know we, we weren't exactly making the same thing, but it just never occurred to me. I don't know, it's kind of an interesting thing. Well, you know, one of the things that is happening with, you know, Glassdoor and, and other types of uh, repositories where people literally post their individual pay. And then, of course, with 
public sector employees in many states or really everywhere uh, where individual salaries are accessible and you could gain that information. That's a very different level of, of pay transparency. And that's really the kind that we studied is a place where you can literally look up individual uh, salaries. So it's a level of such as sort of pay ranges and pay structure that you have access to and, and is made visible, but really this ability to, to look up anyone's compensation. And it seems on its face, that just seems like, oh my gosh, you've got to be kidding. Like you're going to print what I make publicly so people know. But for those positions, because there are positions where it is public, it's out there and you know, and the world hasn't fallen down. And, the, you know, I mean, the consequences that you imagine, I would think, are not the consequences that you're actually, people aren't coming up to you and, you know, when you're buying a new car going, really? I, I know how much you make. Are you really, you really think you can afford that car? Or I mean, should you be buying that house? I don't know. So I don't know what so people the, imagine this scary part is going to be, but the other the consequences that we find in our study is that while it unambiguously makes pay more equitable, that is firms become or organizations become more consistent in how they allocate pay to different metrics, um, including measures of performance, it also tends to simply flatten pay. That is, there's just less variability uh, in pay. It becomes more equal, including more equal as it relates to performance. That is just the, right. the, the compensation simply becomes flatter. And, you know, one of the things that <clears throat> hasn't been really fully said is, is, you know, how how dramatic are the consequences of that? Right. One of the consequences of that could be that it lowers uh, productivity. Right. That people or some people, depending on how that change affects your compensation, it, it may affect productivity. It may affect mobility, you know, who leaves and who stays. If your pay suddenly becomes and your organization becomes flatter, less performance based, does that trigger patterns of departure and turnover? Uh, if you're a really high performer, do you go seek out an organization that that doesn't have as flat a pay structure, or if you are at the lower end of the distribution, do you end up being very happy with this new flatter pay structure, right? Those are some of the dynamics that we're beginning to explore. And I want to keep exploring those, but we're going to take a quick break right now. When we come back, we're going to hear more about the complexities of pay transparency. Stay with us. We'll be right back. If you enjoyed today's show, do this. Share us. Like us. Give us a review on your favorite podcast app. It means a lot to us, and it ensures more people tune in and raise the bar at workplaces everywhere. Welcome back, everyone. We are talking with Tamasha Bloy and Todd Zenger about the complicated effects of pay transparency. So right before the break, you started into a really interesting aspect of this, the, um, the productivity part of it. I think that's really interesting because, it, and I keep hearing this a lot too, so the flattening of the of the pay range. Like if this is what it is, this is all we can do for you. And then the effects of that, there's a couple of things I want to know if you found any, what your research found, if anything about if you can't base salary on performance, or you can only base it on performance up to a certain level, what, what happens with that? What are, what are, what are we looking at with regard to that? The effects on the 
you know, on the employees, what's that doing uh, with regard to that aspect of it? Right. So we actually have a working paper with Todd on the productivity consequences of pay transparency. Now, what we find is that pay transparency does not decrease productivity. We can't say much more, so we can't with (laughs) certainty say that it increases productivity, but we can fairly robustly rule out the, the negative productivity consequence. Now, that said, we have to be relatively careful here because our our study was done in the context of academics. So here, I think there's it's really complex, but it's also really, really interesting. So I think that one of the main questions is what drives productivity? What motivates people? And I think that we, we tend to assume that monetary incentives uh, are a large part of the explanation, and they certainly are. I'm not going, I'm going to be the last person who will say that incentives do not motivate effort. But there are also other things and other drivers of uh, of behavior and uh, an effort and if there is a lot of intrinsic motivation right then maybe monetary incentives are not that important or maybe there's a limit to which we actually are motivated by uh by incentives so i'm in a sense i think there are going to be some jobs some positions and some people for whom it's going to be important and this flattening of the uh, of the pay structure flattening of the of the power of incentives is indeed going to to lead to either them leaving, right? It could be the superstars, uh, or it could lead to to a decrease in productivity. But in a large scale study that that we are conducting right now, we don't actually find that. Which which was a relatively surprising result to us. We we see productivity remaining relatively flat or even increasing for some uh, some groups of uh, groups of individuals. But I think that this is something that we'll have to keep on exploring. Uh, and, uh, and and studying that. But I think that, in a sense, it, I would say it's relatively risky to just assume that the moment incentives weaken, uh, hell is going to break loose and people are going to stop working. Uh, there, there are definitely some jobs, some context, and maybe with genera- generational change, uh, we'll, we will actually see some different patterns and where the effects of increased equity and fairness is actually going to offset this uh this decrease in the power of incentives but that's pure speculation on my on my side well an educated guess is an educated guess <laughs> as good as any but i do think it's interesting and i i wonder if it's that if what you're initially finding is that leveling out of the equity aspect of it is you are finding people you know coming to that level <clears throat> being happy about that and, oh great this is going to you know this is going to raise me up a little bit um, or I have it, I have goals now. I know I'm not at the top end. I still have some place to go with this. And I do think that <clears throat> if that might be part of it, then I think you're right about the, you know, the changing aspect of it over time. Um, as people do, you know, rise up and things equal out. I wonder if the type of job you're in makes the, that job satisfaction has a lot to do with it too. If you're satisfied in your job, does does a monetary reward mean less than other benefits you might get from it, such as ego benefits or, um, you know, that self-satisfaction, depending on the type of job you're doing? Um, are those the sorts of things you think that will have an impact on that? So what we what we do find is so there's there's two moving pieces, right? One is at the individual level and one is at the organizational level. And what we do find, for example, is that there is an inequity penalty for organizations, 
where if pay transparency reveals that organizations were not paying their employees equitably, there is a productivity penalty for that, right? So, so in a sense, the potential productivity penalty comes, especially in those organizations we find that have not been paying uh, equitably and therefore changing that and bringing this equity level up could decrease that penalty. At the individual level, we actually find that it's those individuals who are inequitably overpaid that increase their productivity the most, which we find super interesting because one potential mechanism is that you kind of have to bring your productivity uh, up to speed with the with your level of pay, either because this is what, what you realize or there's a cap on your future salary increase or because there is some sort of social pressure. We can't really tease out the mechanism fully. But this is one of the one of one of the individual level findings that 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 we have and that we thought was very interesting. One of the things that's important to keep in mind is that you know these pay transparency regulations and laws are 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 put in place so that they change uh, the behavior of corporations, right? They and, and organizations, right? That, that it causes them to change what they're doing to attend more to pay equity and, and address inequities that, that that currently exist, both at the individual level and kind of across the organization. And so what the, you know, the findings are is that, that that works and it works in part because those companies that once pay transparency is, is enacted, put in place, Productivity goes down if what's revealed is that their pay is inequitable, right? So it's directly reduction in productivity, the loss of people, uh, particularly people that discover at the individual level that they're inequitably paid. If they want to keep those people, they have to change. And, and what the research suggests is that's exactly what organizations do. They create incentive systems that are more equitable in part because if they don't, they're going to they're going to lose their people. They're going to uh, suffer it from a productivity standpoint. So in that sense, it, it it works exactly as they would like. It's such an interesting concept. I love the I love the back and forth ideas of it. Um, and I do think it's interesting, you know, corporations being what they are, um, being legal entities. Money is what motivates a corporation. It's not a bad thing. That's why they're that's the purpose of a corporation is to make money. But the only way that you can manipulate in most instances, a corporation is, is monetarily. That's why in, in the legal realm, punitive damages are a big deal. Um, that's a way to punish a company. Um, and I think you're right, Todd, with this, you know, the regulation of it and the regulation of the pay, the regulation of the money situation in a company is an effective means of moving the ship one way or the other. Tell me a little bit about um, just we just and we're, we're going to wrap up in a few minutes. But the employee priorities. What did you see in your research with regard to pay transparency, or have we covered that pretty much? So I'm not quite sure I know what you mean by priorities, but I do think you know one of the really important concepts to sort of keep in mind is is this idea that pay transparency does limit what corporations can can do right i mean everything that they do has to be fully transparent and there are some potential drawbacks associated with, with this one of the more fascinating studies that's been done on pay transparency because it's something people can 
easily access and absorb is is what happened when the National Hockey League uh, implemented. I, I think it was sort of serendipitously pay transparency. So just sort of suddenly pay became um, pay you know salaries became available to to all the players, and what it revealed was that the practices a, across these NHL, NHL teams was to pay based essentially on offensive statistics, goals, and assists. And as a consequence of this, all the players essentially turned their attention toward goals and assists and, and away from focusing on playing defense. In the era in which it was not fully transparent how pay was being allocated, the players tended to focus more on defense. And so you can sort of see, you know, this this creates a conundrum to, to to these NHL teams. How do they then restructure pay in order to get this correct balance of attention to both offense and defense? And I think a, an exactly parallel thing plays out in corporations as pay becomes more transparent, and you're trying to, you know, get people to attend to both highly measurable performance dimensions, as well as things that are much more difficult to measure, cooperation, you know, your desire to mentor other people, those kinds of dimensions are very difficult to measure. And as soon as you make the formula transparent, people will attend to the formula. As a consequence of this, this is why I think you see pay flattening is like when it becomes transparent is because they actually do care about all these other cooperative dimensions and, and things that are difficult to measure. And so the only thing you can sort of do is to flatten pay so that people are not responding to the formula as much, but instead are thinking about what's the right thing to do to elevate the productivity of the organization and look after my, you know, the people I care about in the organization or whatever it might be to make it a uh, a culture that people want to be in and and uh, and and a, and a productive organization. That is an amazing analogy. I just love the way I love that illustration. I, that's great. It makes so much sense. What an interesting unintended consequence and an interesting way to handle it. Well, gentlemen, as we wrap up the show for today, uh, do you have any words of wisdom, tale, cautionary tales you'd like to share with our listeners before we wrap up? Tomash, what about you? Not really. So I, again, I think that it's, uh, it's a fascinating era that we live in where we are learning consequences of different experiments around transparency. And, and so as a researcher, I would want to encourage organizations to experiment with different forms of transparency so that then I can study them and so that we can collectively learn more about what what works, why it works, and what doesn't work, so that we can hopefully, some decades from now, arrive at the at the right mix of different policies and and design instruments. I love it. I love it. How about you, Todd? The only thing I'd sort of add is that um, regardless of whether you like transparency, uh, pay transparency, or dislike it. Um, that this ship has sort of sailed. We are living in an era of increased transparency. That's only going to increase. We've got public repositories where people are making things transparent. And so I think it's it's really in, incumbent on those that are leading organizations, designing incentive systems that, that, you know, how are you going to recalibrate what you're doing in this era of increased transparency? How are you going to create the, the types of 
incentives and organizational cultures that will thrive in, in what's going to inherently be a much more transparent world. Thank you both for joining me today and sharing your expertise and your thoughts on this issue. I really appreciate it. That's our show for today. Thank you so much. You can learn more about our guest, Todd Zanger, by visiting his website at toddzanger.com. That's T-O-D-D-Z-E-N-G-E-R.com. And Tamasha Bloy by visiting the faculty and research page on the Indiana University Kelly School of Business's website at kelly.iu.edu slash faculty dash directory. You can also connect with our guests via our website at workplaceperspective.com. I want to also thank our listeners, my radio angels, James and the Nave at Night, and Workplace Perspectives team extraordinaire, our engineer and producer, Paul Roberts, our associate producer, Melissa DeLacy, with music provided by the very talented Steve Versaloni. I want to thank you all for joining us on Workplace Perspective, and until next time, keep raising the bar. Bye.